0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: to hear that old story over and over again, with all the things that are happening in this world so fast, that's the only thing that hasn't changed, is the story of salvation. Shall we open in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for so many blessings that makes life complete. We can't even count them. Above all, we thank thee for the gift of salvation, the old, old story of Jesus and his love, how he he came to this world and called us, and he gives us that presence of mind and peace of mind to answer that call and invite him into our hearts and our lives. We thank thee for the autumn we've had, the beautiful Beautiful autumn and the beautiful days, one after another, so many of them that we've enjoyed and the harvest has come off in good shape. We thank Thee for this humble abode and little place we can gather, free from the troubles and the trials out there in the world. We have the freedom to assemble here, we have the freedom to get together. And spend time around thy word, spend time with each other, spend time contemplating those things that are most important, those things concerning our, our getting to heaven as we go through this life, this life of troubles and trials and long days and long roads, sometimes we thank thee for this this opportunity to be around thy word, and that opportunity to take that into account. The the words Jesus said that where two or three are gathered together, he will be here with us. We can rest in that, assured that he he is here with us. Be with our speaking brother today, and be with each of us as listeners. That. We can gain understanding. Be strengthened in faith. Be strengthened in courage to to meet our daily struggles and trials. And in the end, receive that gift of eternal life on heaven's shore. Watch over all those that gather. All those that are concerned about these things. Even as Jesus said, he doesn't pray for the unbelieving world, but he prays for the believers and he prays for those that will believe. And he knows who they are. So hear us now as we pray together that prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread
2: May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I I guess as George already prayed, just ask ask for your prayers. It's a, a wonderful and daunting thing to come and speak to living souls about matters of eternity and salvation that are so important and we understand that the value that God puts upon each and every individual. For a text this morning, I'll take a portion that I'm sure... Many of us are quite familiar with. I think perhaps at some point I've even spoke on it before. It's in the Gospel of John in the 15th chapter. I will read the first 17 verses. Reading in Jesus' name. I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and withereth. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, That a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask in the Father's name he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Amen. This is recorded in the Bible. In John, very near where it is the end when Jesus is going to be crucified. And there's quite a bit recorded there of things he's telling them. We talk about it being all about Christ. And yet I think at times it's hard for us to understand because we walk here as as humans. We have our own minds and we have feelings and we reason. And I struggle sometimes to, it says that we are dead to sin, and yet it seems very much part of our being, or my being. And I guess it is such that we can recognize that we need, whether things are good or whether things are bad, that we would turn to Christ. Jesus here uses a natural analogy of something that perhaps here in this part of the world we don't understand quite as well as in other parts of the world where they have have and grow grapes. And this one verse, I have quoted it and heard people quote it. And it is something that it is very true, obviously, because Jesus himself spoke it to us. And yet, I have to admit that when I read it, sometimes my human portion trembles. And yet, we have to understand, or maybe it leads us to that place where we come to that understanding of how important it is that we would focus and that our <clears throat> thoughts and Love would be for matters of eternity and not those things that are in this life so much. And it isn't that we don't care about what happens here. We don't care about people who are here even in the natural sense because we do. And we are encouraged in the Bible in places to do what it is that is put for us to do here with joy and were to do it enthusiastically, if I put it that way. This life is has importance also. And I think it is important that we would walk. Yes, putting it in its proper perspective that it is temporary and passing. And yet even as I mentioned already, speaking to living souls, we each and every day interact and rub shoulders with living souls. And we would as Christians desire that our walk would be such that it would spark an interest and that people would have a desire to come to Christ and find a need for something beyond their natural reasoning of how to deal with things in life. I think as Christians sometimes we can forget because we see that just the same as everybody else in the world, we have problems. And it's easy for me at least to forget that yes, we have problems like the rest of the world and they have problems like we do, but... We have that privilege and advantage and a blessing that we can turn to this word. And we have that indwelling spirit that can guide us and will guide us. And knows what is best in situations that we perhaps don't have a clue. And Jesus here encourages us that we would bear fruit.
0: He says, I
2: am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. And here we see a place where it, it kind of lays out or gives us a little bit of a picture of how it is. That thing, I guess, that is beyond my reasoning, how we have a God that is three parts. And they are one, and yet they are separate. And here we see that and Jesus tells in there that Him, and, he and the Father are one. And yet here he, he lays out a slightly different purpose. He says he is the vine. And his father is the husbandman. We understand that the branches on a vine. They get their sustenance from the vine. And anyone one of us I'm sure understands. That if you take and cut a branch off a tree. It's going to die. It just becomes a dry stick. And so for there to be life there, it needs to be part of that vine. Jesus says that it is God who is the husband. And he is the one who knows and understands and has the ability to know how to prune those things. And that is the part of this, I guess, that My human portion has a bit of a time with it sometimes. It says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And I think we can understand that to some extent. How it is that if something is not producing anything, that it is just useless. And it is of no value. And yet we as people... I think we need to be very careful that we remember who the husbandman is. It's not us. It is not our decision to decide that anything should be cut off. That is God's domain. It very clearly states that here. I think it can get to the point, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but... There can be days where I can look, if I say it this way, look in the mirror and recognize how I fail and how short I come to living up to what the Word would encourage us to be. And you could almost decide, well, I'm going to cut myself off. There's no way that I can add up to being a Christian. And thanks be to God This word lays out, yes, what it is that God demands of us, which is perfection. But it also is so good and gracious that it encourages us not to try to produce that perfection out of our natural being or our own abilities, but to trust that Christ already came and lived perfectly and has promised that his perfection can be mine. It says then, he that... and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. <clears throat> and I guess this is the part that... I think I mentioned it not very many weeks ago, actually, and sorry if I repeat myself so often, but I have seen, and mostly in pictures, but when they've pruned... In the fall, or in it's in winter I guess, but in the fall, grapevines, to prepare them to produce fruit next year, and I've also seen pictures of where they don't, actually I've seen in real life, where they didn't prune grapevines, and the growth is amazing, and it's lush, and it's a wonderful, full-looking plant. But there was no fruit on it. And we see the difference between how God works and how God thinks and how we do as people. We look at the outside and we look at what is there. God looks to the heart and he looks to the future And he looks at what is going to be produced down the road. And if we just, or if I just looked at it and thought, well, God wants, is going to purge me, and believe me, it's not very much fun most of the time. And I understand that plants don't have thoughts or reasoning as people do. But if you look at those plants and they've trimmed them down to just a bare bare stalk, putting it back on myself, it, it seems like a pretty harsh thing to do, that all those things that look like they're nice and that there's life in there and they look good would be taken away. So you're just a bare nothing. And yet, that is what God works with. And that is then what it is that actually produces what God is looking for, which is fruit. And we can turn, I believe, to Galatians, and we can read in there it tells us the fruits of the Spirit. It says, But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And there we see the difference in what God is looking for us as Christians to produce and what we would produce on our own. People can produce things that look awfully wonderful and beautiful and spectacular. And depend doesn't matter what it is. We have access in the world that we live today to internet and you can see people that have abilities to do unbelievably amazing things and and I've watched them and marveled at it at times and yet if you look at it it's of zero real value and the amount of time and effort to get to that point where they can do that is unbelievable and yet It's, I have to admit, amazing and wonderful. But God, He wants to take away all those things that we would think are of value unless it comes from Him. That the fruit we would produce would come from what Christ gives us. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. And we understand that very easily as people, that if you have a vine or a fruit tree or whatever, if you cut a branch off of it, it is not going to produce any fruit. It has to be hooked to the tree or it has to be hooked to the vine to receive the necessary food and sustenance to produce fruit. And I think it is important for us to remember that. We aren't going to produce any of those things that I read about in Galatians there. It does, we don't find them in our natural flesh. We can find very much the opposite of many of those things. It says meekness, humbleness. We can find that we are proud in ourselves. And not very humble. Patience we have patience, we can see that it comes from God. It comes from Christ. It comes from that indwelling spirit, maybe sometimes forcing it on us. I think this human nature is very impatient. And if we don't believe that, just look at these little ones. They don't have to be hardly born and they want to be fed now. We want whatever it is now. It doesn't matter if they've kept mum up all night long and they want her to be up and take care of them now. We would desire that we would abide in Christ. That we would be led by that spirit Just in the previous chapter here, Jesus promises the sending of that Spirit. And that it would bring, he says here, bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That Spirit, and it speaks of Christ. And it is through the leading of that Spirit that we can stay, as it says, abiding in Christ. Abiding in that vine that we would receive what is necessary to bring us, keep us alive, and that we would also produce fruit. And sometimes, if we look at this and think of God taking away everything that we could produce fruit, and that, it would be almost like, well, I'm not sure it's worth the fruit, and yet, as Christians, the other option is that we would be cut off and burnt says, But he says in that third verse, How it is that we are able to abide in him. It says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It's an interesting thing how Jesus speaks of the word. when he is the word. And it is how it is. He came from heaven and God instructed him to speak of himself and speak of what he was going to do and accomplish it. And this word, in it, we find life, spiritual life, and salvation. And it is Christ. Jesus says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. It is hard to believe at times in our lives, I'm sure for all of us, that we are actually producing any fruit. And yet, when we are abiding in Christ... He says that we will produce much fruit. Why? Because the fruit is up to him. Because he is the one that provides what is needed to produce it. And he has absolutely, if I say complete and perfect trust in the Father to purge what is not needed, that the most fruit would be produced. I remember, and I believe it was Unst, not that it matters, he was speaking one time and he was explaining, it, I guess the reason I'm repeating is it because it struck me at the time when he said it, because I don't want to admit it, and yet it's, I found it to be true. He said in his mind, he thinks that, well God, if you would just give me this and give me this, then I could be more of a use to you. But he said in his life, he's found more often that it's God says, I'm going to take this away, and I'm going to take this away that you can be of more use to me. There's many things in this life that they may be not even bad things. And yet, God in his wisdom understands that they are a distraction to our salvation, and it is something that is hindering us producing fruit to the level that he would want us to. It says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And I believe that this can be taken in A number of different ways we understand it talking about trees or vines in the natural sense that if a and i've done it in my own yard there's a branch on the tree that's whatever for some reason it's died or for some reason it's been snapped off and so we so it's not alive so we cut it off and throw it in the fire and burn it Christians, we want to be so a part of that vine that there is life there and that we are just waiting, if I say, for the nutrients and water to come up that we can produce fruit. And and I think here, if we are trying to do anything on our own, that we are going to find that it has, it doesn't get very far when we're dealing with people, and I, and I've seen people that have gone out on their own zeal, and it starts out good, but pretty soon it depreciates and it's gone, and you run into people who put up walls in front of you and those kind of things, and if it's of God. You will provide the strength and the wisdom and the whatever is needed to carry on. But if it's of ourselves, we can very quickly get discouraged. And, and I've heard stories of men who are supposedly great evangelists that in time they completely turned away from God. They were so discouraged. And... and I don't quite know where to put that always. But it happens. And in one sense, the answer is very simple. We simply abide in Christ. We look to Christ for our strength. We look to Christ for direction. We look to Christ... To give us faith. And I heard someone say, and I maybe even have repeated this here, but they said that many times we have big and wonderful goals as Christians. But God's goals for us might be much simpler. And it may be so simple as to just that we could become more Christ like. And as people that's often I've found a very hard lessons. And it doesn't seem to be very glorious. In fact, lots of times it's quite humbling and almost humiliating. But it shows us very clearly that God's goals and God's way of doing things is much different from ours. It says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done for you. This is a verse, and it repeats it in a very similar way here several times in these chapters here. And it, to me, in one sense, it is an amazing promise. that Jesus says, whatever you will ask, it will be done for you. But she says, if my words abide in you, if we are in Christ and he is in us, and our goal is salvation, it gives a different if I say, importance on what it is that we would be asking of God. It changes it from asking and being of importance things in this life to asking and it being of importance matters of eternity and matters of faith and matters of salvation. And God promises many, many places that it is his desire to bless us Yes, even naturally. So when we look at this world, we know it's temporary. The Bible tells us that everything here is going to be burnt up. We know as people we're going to die and return to the earth. And yet God still desires to bless us in those natural things. And we've, here, as George even mentioned in his prayer, how blessed we have been even with the weather here. God cares about these natural things. It isn't that he doesn't care about anything that goes on in our natural life. He does. And I think it's good to remember that if we put it in the context that if it's important, these natural things, how much more important it is to God and how much more would he desire to bless us with those spiritual things. With faith and with his spirit. And that he would guide us, that those things would be important to us. It's very easy to get caught up in the ways of the world the, <coughs> Excuse me. that is all around us. And much of the things, there's nothing wrong with them. As long as we can put them... They are temporary and they are of no real importance compared to eternity and salvation. And what Christ has done to me, for me. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And here we see why it is that it is important that we bear fruit. Because in many ways, if we look at it and take the whole big picture and bring it down to perhaps as small as we can do it, (coughs) excuse me, as people here, our purpose is that God would be glorified through how we live. And it seems like a pretty big thing because at times it doesn't feel like we're bringing much glory to God. Or maybe it's just me, I don't know. But we would desire that that fruit would be there. That we could be those things that are in in Galatians there that I read. And I believe if we are honest with ourselves We recognize that we don't find those things. They are in us through Christ. Faith comes of God. Our goodness comes of God. All those things, they are fruits of the spirit that dwells in us. They are not fruits of the flesh. And we see that we can't claim any glory for them. If we are, there's a problem. Because we're lying to ourselves and we're really lying to God also. Saying, well, this is something that I have done. and This is something that I have produced. And it's humbling to recognize we don't have those abilities. And if we do can and do recognize that, that those Abilities come from God. Even in me. How am I going to do anything to produce them in someone else? We can't. But we can share that gospel message. That hearts can be turned. That God through his spirit can produce fruits in others also. (coughs) And we can tell people that with confidence. Because... If that spirit can produce those fruits in me, believe me, it can produce it in someone else. And we recognize that. And it's why we share the message of salvation. It's why we share that story that even the song talked about, that old, old story of what Christ has done. And yes, we see the world very much trying to take even the beginning of that story well I don't know what the beginning but the birth of Christ Christmas that we commemorate and celebrate and they want to turn it into something totally different they want to take Easter where our salvation was completed the work of salvation and our sins were paid for on the cross the greatest gift and act of charity that mankind has ever been given. And they want to turn it into something totally different about who knows what, bunnies and chicks and eggs. and. As Christians, we can recognize that it's the work of the devil. He wants people to be distracted, to not recognize how important these things are. It says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. God, I don't think we as human beings can understand how much God loved Christ. We struggle to understand even how much God loved us and how it is that he loved Christ so much that he sent him to die because he loved us. See, it's something that is beyond our natural reasoning and yet it is how it is. But it is the love of Christ that he came, that he would be our salvation. And we are to continue in that. We are to continue in the grace of God through faith. Faith that, yes, we fail. Or maybe I should say it. Faith that when we fail, we know where to turn with those failures. to Christ. And that we would encourage others to look there also. And if we are struggling with doubts, if we are struggling with failures and sins, we turn to Christ. And we have the privilege of knowing where he is found. Abiding in the hearts of his children. It's an overwhelming privilege we have. We don't have to go on some long quest to some far off part of the world or mountaintop or whatever. Here's, in this little church, the Spirit of God dwells in the hearts of his children. We have, it's so near. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered. And it isn't that if you're on your own, God isn't there and his Spirit isn't there. <clears throat> It's encouraging us to have fellowship and unity of spirit and that we would lay aside those weights and differences and problems and have unity in Christ that we could support one another. It says that a threefold cord is difficult to break. And we can look at that many ways but It is when we put Christ into the situation. In our relationships, no matter what they are. There's strength there. The devil works very hard to drive wedges. He works very hard to put division. I don't know if I can turn to it, but it's in one of the Psalms. And it speaks about how wonderful a thing it is. When there is unity, it speaks about, Let's see if I can find it so I don't have to try to quote it, but it tells of the, how good it is. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't seem to just turn to it. Oh, here it is, 133rd Psalm. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. It's a blessing when there is a unity of spirit. And that comes when we abide in Christ and that Holy Spirit dwells and leads and guides. It says, if ye um, if you, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That sounds, in some ways, as a very simple commandment. And yet we know that the Bible tells us that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in that is the law and the prophets covered. We're to love God and our neighbor as ourselves. And in that simple statement, all the law. And so we see how much that can be expanded because There's all the books of the law. And there's all the prophets. And all those things are simply. Basically. To love God and treat others. As we would want to be treated. And. It struck me this here. That there is. Great freedom even in what. So much more freedom. In what Christ commands us here. Even then. That that we would treat others as we want to be treated. And it's the fact that we're different. Yes, we would be good to others, but sometimes what I would take as being good, someone else would be offended by it. And we have to be careful with doing that. But when we're doing what Christ commands, we just recognize... That we would do what Christ has done for us. Towards others. Be kind. Loving. Patient. All those things that. Are fruits of the spirit. Christ. He came and died for us. He laid down his life for us. And we are to be. That way with others. It's a difficult thing for this human nature. And the world says, Me first, and then then maybe you can do for others. No, the Bible encourages us to look to help others first and be kind to them and trust that God can take care of us. Jesus here says, Greater love hath no man and that a man lay down his life for his friends. We understand that Jesus did exactly that. In the circles and the world that we live in right now, I don't know too many people who actually physically have had to lay down their life for others. But I think very often we are encouraged by the Spirit, that we would put our life secondary to the needs of others around us. Why? Because we are showing the love of what Christ has done for us to them. And hopefully our actions, and I think if we are doing it with the right motivation, those actions will show that they are motivated by the Spirit of God. They are motivated by what God has done for me. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. It's a wonderful thing to be able to even be considered a servant of God. And we talk about being servants of God. But when we walk in obedience to what Christ has told us to do, He says if we do whatsoever He's commanded us, and He just told us what He commanded us, he told us to love as others as He has loved us.. And it goes right back to those fruits of the Spirit. Those fruits of the Spirit, it says that the Spirit speaks of Christ. They come from Christ. We would love others simply because of what Christ gives us. And those fruits are produced. And God is glorified. And then we are. Not even called servants anymore. But we are friends of Christ. And. As Christians we understand that. I don't know if we say it gets better than that even. But it is. Fuller than that. We are children of God. And heirs with Christ. And I think don't believe that we can even understand that at this point. We are too human to understand it, but let us believe it. We're the children of God through Christ. There's no other way of being that. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And here again is that that God has promised to give us those things we ask. And we see that God has chosen us. It's a hard thing for us to understand, and I know it's a debate in Christendom for all the ages of ch- becoming a Christian, choosing to become a Christian, and who is able to choose, and God chooses, and we choose, and there's free will and all these things. And if we try to reason out out with our natural minds, it doesn't work. But by faith we can trust and know. Christ died for everyone. So we have the freedom Of sharing that gospel message with everyone. And we understand that salvation for me was free. It was paid for by Christ, so it's free for them. And we can share that message and leave it to God to work, to that Spirit to enlighten the heart that spirit to reveal to a heart what it is. We can share where Christ is found. We can share that there is forgiveness. Why there is forgiveness. That we have experienced it for ourselves. We can't produce faith. Faith comes of God. But we can trust and know That God can work in any heart, And we leave it with him. He repeats this. These things I command you, that you love one another. And there's another place where it tells us that that is how the world will know that we are children of God because of our love one for another. And I think it's, I don't know why, I guess because it seems so much to my me in the world that the world wants to redefine love. And they want to say that it's only something that's warm and fuzzy, if you put it that way. That's my, my words. God's love for us isn't always warm and fuzzy. Sometimes it seems quite harsh and even if I go back to where it speaks of purging those things away that we would bear fruit it can seem pretty hurtful at times but we can understand and trust it is because God loves us and wants the best for our undying soul and we can love one another And pray for one another and care for one another for the best for their undying portion. And we many times don't know what that is. But then we have that privilege of asking for wisdom from the Spirit. And it promises here that if we ask, it will be given. He has promised to give us that wisdom. He has promised to give us of his Spirit. And if we have those things and abide in Christ, there will be fruit and God will be glorified. But it isn't in our abilities. It's in our abiding in Christ. Let us put our faith in him and walk trusting that he will lead and guide us. And when we fail, what he done what he has done on the cross covered that also. And we can find that mercy seat, and there is forgiveness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? <clears throat> May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Should we close with four thirty seven? And one other thing, I noticed in my diary that there's been other years that we've already been having a Bible study, but maybe because of the fall and because I've been so busy I've been procrastinating about doing it. But should we start having a Bible study during anybody who would want to even this week uh, kind of short notice but anyway I think we last year we had it Thursday 730 7? I'm my memory so bad I can't remember 730 I don't know. If that works for anybody does anybody who can post it or we can
0: do that whenever. You could do it. 7 Okay,
2: so there'll be Bible study at Jordan by 7 33 in evening. 4